Okay, good morning, ladies. I'm not sure if you remember where you were or what you were doing on March the 11th, but that's the day that the WHO declared a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yes, a few days later, Doug Ford issued a state of emergency for the province of Ontario, COVID. Who would have thought that from that day forward, we would have a new way of life, a new way of seeing the world. Emotions would fly up and soar down like a roller coaster, Shock, fear, masks, sanitizers, Zoom calls, virtual school, and porch visits. Back in February, a month earlier, we never would have imagined anything like this could happen. We never experienced anything like this, and we had absolutely no concerns about it. But yes, we soon found out that it's affecting us all, and it has made us all vulnerable. As stock markets plummeted and businesses closed and schools were put on hold, it was clear that we needed good leadership. We needed leaders to help us understand, to make rules, guidelines, policies, protocols. We needed leaders to assure us of our safety, that we would somehow get through this together. Even now, we eagerly listen to the prime ministers or the premier's daily or weekly speeches, waiting to hear their response to the impact that COVID-19 is having on us and the economy. Ministers of health, of education, the US president and other world leaders. Do we all agree with all their decisions being made? Probably not. Do they speak truth, have the best in mind for everyone, or do they actually follow the protocols themselves? Probably not. More than ever, we realize how important it is to have strong and wise leaders at this time, and how we wish for honorable leaders to do what is right and to lead well, especially during a pandemic. It's times like this where we need to be praying for our leaders, that they will make wise, good decisions that will protect our children, our aging loved ones in nursing homes that they would be effective leaders and they would work closely with other leaders, making huge decisions that impact our communities, our country, and our world. And so Psalm 72 is just that, a prayer for a leader, a prayer for the new king of Israel. If you look in your Bibles, you'll see right at the beginning of Psalm 72, it says, of Solomon. There's some controversy among commentators as to who wrote the psalm. Was it Solomon? Was it David? When we look at the very last verse, it says, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So it seems to indicate that it was the last prayer psalm that David wrote, which would mean that it was the conclusion to book number two of the Psalms. Remember that the Psalms were divided into five books. So at the beginning, it states of Solomon. Some think that means that King Solomon wrote it, or that it's a psalm of, or about, or for Solomon by King David. But whoever is the true author, the meaning of the psalm is pretty straightforward. It's a prayer for a king, which is why I've entitled this lesson, A Prayer for the King. It's a prayer for King Solomon's reign as he succeeds his father David, now that David is old and frail a prayer for Solomon and all the kings that will come after him. King Solomon, the son of David's wife, Bathsheba. Solomon, 
a man that sought after God. And because he did, God gave him the opportunity to ask for whatever he wanted. Solomon asked for wisdom. He wanted to be a king that led the nation well. So God blessed him with wisdom, but he also granted wealth and power to this new king. He became one of the most powerful people in the world. Wisdom, wealth, power. But none of this protected him from making some pretty big mistakes. He started off well, but he ended off very poorly. Over time, Solomon ended up with many wives and concubines. 700 wives and 300 concubines to be exact. Women who worshipped false gods, and this led to his downfall. Although he was blessed with wisdom, he chose to disobey and began to turn away from worshiping the one true God. He had built the first temple for the Lord, but then his wives convinced him to turn to idolatry and he began to worship false idols, even building temples for them. One such idol was an Ammonite god named Moloch, where worship included child sacrifice or passing children through fire. Listen to this description. It is believed that idols of Moloch were giant metal statues of a man with a bull's head. Each image had a hole in the abdomen and possibly outstretched forearms that made a kind of a ramp to the hole. A fire was lit in or around the statue. Babies were placed in the statue's arm or in the hole. When a couple sacrificed their firstborn, they believed that Moloch would ensure financial prosperity for the family and future children. Yes, Solomon started off well as a king, but he ended very poorly. But this psalm, Psalm 72, is written at the beginning of Solomon's reign, before all that began. So Psalm 72 was a royal prayer, a coronation prayer for the kind of king or ruler or leader that God's people should long for. It's a prayer for the characteristics and qualities of a king, for his reign and for his kingdom. But Solomon, he doesn't live up to this king in the prayer. He may have started off as a great king, but he didn't finish well. He failed in many ways, as he began to trust his own judgment rather than walk humbly with God. So yes, this prayer is intended for Solomon, for his reign and for his kingdom, but Solomon could never fully live up to the hopes of this prayer. So we'll see that this prayer is for the one that can only be fulfilled by a greater king a king that will rule with righteousness and with justice, a king that would have an eternal, long-lived kingdom. God made a covenant with David through which God promises David and Israel that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David and the tribe of Judah and would establish a kingdom that would endure forever. And this psalm is a prayer that points to the things that God promised. It's a good prayer for the leader of a nation, but it's a prayer of the perfect king, telling us who he is and what his reign will look like. It's a messianic psalm pointing us to King Jesus, the hope of a coming king, a righteous king and his eternal kingdom. So as we're turning to Psalm 72, just follow along as I read it. Of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. 
Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon through all, throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him, for he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever, and the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let me just pray for us one more time. Lord, there's just so much in this prayer, in this um, psalm, and so much to unpack, and so much to be hopeful for as we look to a king that is greater than any earthly king. So Lord, I pray that um, you speak to us now. May our minds be open to understand and our hearts be open to receive. May the words that I speak not be mine, but may you use me as your servant, Lord, as I deliver this message this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. A prayer for the king. So this prayer, I've broken down into a number of sections. I've broken them down into six sections. Um, for those of you that want to just jot down notes, I'll, I'll just say this a little slower. So verses 1 to 4, um, I've broken that down into um, what's called a reign that is righteous and just. So 1 to 4, a reign that is righteous and just. Verses 5 to 7, a reign that endures. Verses 8 to 11, a reign that is worldwide, verses 12 to 14, a reign that is compassionate, verses 15 to 17, a reign that is prosperous, and verses 18 to 19, a reign that is glorious. Sure. Verses, I'll do it again. Verses 1 to 4, a reign that is righteous and just. Verses 5 to 7, a reign that endures. Verses 8 to 11, a reign that is worldwide. 12 to 14, a reign that is compassionate. 15 to 17, a reign that is prosperous. And 18 to 19, a reign that is glorious. 
So the psalmist starts by praying that the king would rule with righteousness and justice, that he would be just towards the poor, the weak, the needy. But as you see in verse 1, the psalmist prays that God would give the king your justice and your righteousness as he judges your people. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The king is accountable as he submits to God. A king whose heart and character should reflect God in his reign as he rules over God's people. A king that would lead the land according to the will and purpose of God. A king that would be guided and directed by God. One who knows what is right and who, know, and who does right in the sight of God. And in verse 4, may he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. There should be no selfish gain in his leadership, but instead he should be able to rule the people well, being concerned for the welfare of all the people, not only for the wealthy and influential people, but especially for the good of the poor, the needy, the oppressed. If we jump down to verses 12 to 14, we see the same thing. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. The psalmist is praying that the king would do what is right and fair to the needy, the weak, the oppressed, the most vulnerable. Their life is precious to him. What a great leader that is. These are the kinds of leaders we pray for, but we don't have or see this type of leadership in our day. Even Solomon, who earnestly sought after God and wanted to lead his people well, he couldn't live up to this prayer. He failed, and as we heard earlier, he worshiped idols, pagan gods that included sacrificing children and throwing them into the fiery belly of this so-called God. So as much as the psalmist prayed for a king that would reign in a fully right and just manner, Solomon could not match up to these qualities, nor will there ever be such a person. But our hope is that there will be a day when there will be a king that will rule with complete righteousness and justice. Let me read to you from Isaiah 11, 1 to 5. This is the prophecy where God made a covenant with David that a king would be coming who would establish a kingdom that would endure forever. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, Jesse being the father of David, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah here is talking about Jesus, about King Jesus, the coming king. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide, to, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins." This is our hope, that Jesus Christ is our coming King, one who will be fair and just, one who will deliver the needy and poor, who has pity on them, saving them, redeeming them. The weak, the needy, 
the poor. That's us. Broken, humble, aware of our sinful nature, in need of a deliverer. The longing for a reign that is righteous and just. And now the psalmist prays for a reign that endures in verses 5 to 7. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. This king will be one that is feared and revered as long as the sun and moon are around. Throughout all generations, this king would be feared until the end of the world. He will be like falling rain on the mown grass. And think about the freshly cut grass and the scorching sun that threatens to dry it up and turn our neighborhoods into an ugly blanket of brown. But at last, a steady rain comes, and then you can smell it, the freshly cut grass, the falling rain, rain that comes to nourish and make the grass grow and give it beauty and life. The prayer is for the king to be like this rain, pouring down his righteousness on his people, refreshing, nourishing them, and helping them grow, giving them life, and peace will abound forever. All earthly rulers, no matter who they are, will not reign indefinitely. Their rule is temporary and will come to an end one day. And peace, oh, how that's missing and how we long for that. But one day it will be here. One day King Jesus' kingdom will rule and endure. This kingdom is coming. This kind of kingdom has been promised. And God gave David this covenant. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, it's called the Davidic Covenant. God speaking to David says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, meaning when, when David dies or goes to the grave, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. King Jesus would come from the line of David later after Solomon, and his kingdom would last forever. The psalmist not only prays that the king's reign would endure, but he prays that the king's reign would be worldwide. And that includes everything and everyone. As we see in verse 8, from sea to sea, from the far east to the far west, from the river Euphrates to the ends of the earth, all tribes and nations will bow down and serve him, all people. He'll have dominion over all people, over all royalty. In verse 11, may all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Not only that nation in the east and the one to the west and the nations in the north and the ones to the south, Earthly kings will rule over certain lands with power and much influence, but there will be a day when the one true king will rule over every nation. Everything and everyone will bow down to him. He will rule over all creation. Listen to the prophecy of Zechariah, Zechariah 9, 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. 
humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. We have a greater hope that one day King Jesus will be king over all. He will reign in righteousness and his rule will be from sea to sea. A prayer for a reign that is worldwide. And earlier we already looked at verses 12 to 14 and we spoke about this prayer for a reign that is compassionate. So now we move on to the next part of this prayer. A prayer for a reign that is prosperous. Let's read verses 15 to 17 again. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. This psalmist prays for a prosperous king. Long may he live. Let the grain abound. May his name endure forever. The mark of a prosperous nation's, nation includes things such as economic growth and wealth, education, the pursuing of opportunities, an abundance of food and crops and commodities, honest, effective leadership that's respected, trusted, and honored. This sounds like a great place. And when we look at King Solomon's reign, yes, there were times of great prosperity. For along with his wisdom, God gave him wealth and power, but it was all temporary. As he turned away from God and turned to worldly desires, he began to crumble, as did his kingdom. But this prayer is for a king that will come and bring prosperity to all people, and it will never end, and that means forever. King Jesus will come and reign and be praised and blessed by all the nations. But here we are today, suffering, in pain, struggling, we're tired, crying. We question our world that's ruled by imperfect leaders. We're surrounded by injustice, racial discrimination, human trafficking, the killing of unborn babies, how we mourn and long for a day where righteousness and justice will prevail, where it will prevail forever across the whole world, a perfect reign, where our tears will be wiped dry and our sorrow turned into joy. Love and peace will abound forever in a bountiful and prosperous kingdom where his people who love and worship him will call him blessed. But for now, we wait. We wait and hope for the day when there's another king coming, an eternal king that will rule and reign a perfect kingdom. Isaiah 25, 8 and 9. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And now, as we see in, um, in this psalm in verses 18 and 19, 
It's a rain that is glorious, a rain whereby the whole earth is filled with his glory. Everyone calls him blessed. Blessed be his glorious name forever. One day, everyone will bow down and worship him. A king in a kingdom that's perfect, right, just, and sinless. But now we have a problem. How can we be part of a sinless kingdom, a righteous kingdom, an eternal kingdom, when we're all sinners? Every one of us. We need someone to redeem us, to rescue us from all our sins. We need someone to deliver us, the broken, the poor, the needy. We need someone who would be crushed, despised, and rejected. Well, yes, someone that has already done all this. Jesus, he was crushed, despised, rejected. He died on the cross in our place. He died on the cross to pay for the sins of all men. He didn't remain dead in the grave. He rose triumphantly in power, providing life everlasting to those who follow him. All so that we might be redeemed, delivered, and saved, so that we can be his children, his heirs, adopted into his eternal kingdom. If only we believe and trust in him. Apart from Jesus, we can't dwell in this kingdom. So ask yourself, Will you inherit the kingdom of God? Have you made him king in your heart? Have you acknowledged and accepted him as king? And are you willing to take up your cross and follow him? It's a gift. It's free. There's no political strings attached. He is there ready for you to receive him. We live in a broken world. This confusing world that sometimes feels like it's spinning out of control. A world of hurt selfishness, mistrust, injustice, false promises, a world where leaders disappoint and leave us questioning their decisions and motives. Yet as we consider the future and the hope that we have in Jesus, let us worship and praise the King who has died and given everything for us. And as we look with anticipation to the day when there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more loneliness, no more quarantining or self-isolating for 14 days. We will dwell with him in his just and righteous kingdom forever and ever. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you, and yes, we are broken, lost, and needy. In a broken, lost, and needy world. And we pray for those in our country, for those that... Um, different levels, whether they be municipal, provincial, or federal levels, that they may lead well, Lord, that they would recognize the need um, to depend on you for knowledge and wisdom to do what is right and just and to lead with compassion. We are all in need of your mercy and saving grace. And um, with this beautiful season, this Christmas season that's here, and um, a day when we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus, the King that we speak of today, this baby lying in a manger who one day went to the cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have a right relationship with you, so that we can be a part of your eternal kingdom. So we thank you for this precious gift for King Jesus. And we look forward in hope and anticipation to the day when the whole earth will be filled with his glory. Blessed be your glorious name forever, and it's in this name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.